to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish. Hello and welcome to the Flying Solo Podcast. If you've yet to check out premium membership, please do as there's a mass of tools and benefits to help your business stand out and and to ensure you stay at the top of your game. As part of membership, you get a full page listing in our directory, entry to a private discussion group, access to a library of over 80 how-to videos, a copy of our best-selling book, and a whole lot more, all for just $99. Head to the join page to find out more. Now, my guest today is Dr. Mark Glazebrook. Mark received the Prime Minister's Award for his contribution to Indigenous communities. He's an innovator, inventor, and university lecturer, and was head of social responsibility for BP. Blimey. These days, he's very busy with school. So, hi, Mike. Please tell us what you're up to, and let's have a look at how your fine work can help our flying solo audience. Hi, Robert. Uh, yeah, great to be here and uh, to talk to your listeners. Um, so since leaving uh, the corporate world a few years back, um, I've set up uh, a new schools or education initiatives, particularly to hmm. particularly supporting uh, young women uh, at high school um, to develop their own ideas and to turn those into successful businesses. Let me just ask you there straight away. Was that was that the schools kind of coming to you saying, "Hey, can you help here?" Or did you say, "Did you observe? Here's a problem. This needs improving. I can do this." Uh, which way around was it? Uh, it was a second one. So right. it came it came out of a conversation uh, with my daughter, who's a teenager, uh, right. who asked me, "Dad," she said, uh, "How come most inventors and uh, business leaders are men?" Good question. And what did Dad uh, say? Well, you know, since leaving the corporate world, I had uh, developed my own products and got those successfully to market. And it obviously disturbed me as a father that my daughter mm. was saying this sort of stuff, but also that she was saying, Dad, look, why should I bother with science and maths if, you know, there are no real role models? If I'm not, yeah. Well, uh, what a great question. You must have um, embraced her whilst at the same time thinking, that's a very good question, young lady. So... Did you immediately sort of get to work then? Well, I didn't have some good examples. You know, she was talking about, you know, the Musks and the uh, Zuckerbergs and Bill Gates and yep. these sorts of examples. Yep. So um, drawing on my expertise, innovating in a corporate and also small business level, I thought, well, I've got a wealth of knowledge to be able to maybe impart here uh, at, a, at a school's level. Let's, uh, let's fashion a... Uh, a pilot curriculum and test it out in some schools. So uh, I reached out to my network and uh, trialled that, and that was in, back in 2015. Uh, and, and since wow. then, the, the appetite has um, really taken off um, so that we've now grown to a, a fuller um, program in 150 schools. That's remarkable. So tell me, I mean, that, how that must be so fulfilling for you. It must, it must be so gorgeous for your daughter as well. Um, so what happens then with these you know these young women at school that are that are now getting these skills but the industry hasn't changed has it they're still I'm assuming not that fast anyway so they're coming out now with this knowledge but 
how long is it going to be before the kind of the world of work catches up, do you think? Yeah, good question. Um, one of the premises uh, behind Girls Invent, and particularly working at that age group, and I'm talking mainly sort of 12 to 15, 16-year-olds, is that it's, it's a yep. time when they're still you know, forming their identity as a young person. And uh, I believe, and I draw on a lot of research, that uh, this is a crucial time for them to really hone their creativity and innovation skills before the systems basically knock the hell out of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've worked in many companies and I've seen young people come in bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and, you know, very energetic and, and, you know, excited about new possibilities. But the system does, as you say, uh, bump up against them. Mm. So I guess early on I'm trying to, you know, through our program, teach them um, the, the capabilities that, that I, I don't impart. They already have them innately. Sure. Young people are already creative. Oh, tell me about it. Yep. Okay. So, look, uh, so I, well, the first thing before we go any further, where can anyone listening wants to really dive in and have a look at this, where can we go to find out more about this program before I get us back to our sort of general topic? Yeah. So the program is called Girls Invent, and right. its, its website is girlsinvent.com.au. Fantastic. All right. Well, look, let's, we'll have a look at that. So what I, I mean, I, I just think it's a fantastic thing that you're doing. And I guess, you know, the, the way that it's operating is the more uh, young women we have that are coming out and kind of knocking on doors, whether it be of universities or employers that are saying, hey, this is what I want to do and this is what I can do, then I guess you're, we're going to be bringing about change from, you know, from that level, which is it, it's got to be beneficial. So yeah, I look forward to seeing how, how that continues to sort of develop. So if we go back to, let, let's think of our audience. So you know, men and women, um, some of us not so young, some quite young in business. How can we uh, kind of look at this whole topic of, of innovation and ideation and bring some of, of, of these uh, skills into our business? I think you've got some sort of steps that you take your students through. Can we have a look at some of those? Yeah, sure. And Although we focus on supporting girls in our program and increasingly even um, older women, adults, um, basically the principles that we apply, albeit adapted for that audience, uh, apply to anyone. Um, mm, I, I guess before going into our kind of six uh, themes that we focus on, it, it, would it be okay if I just uh, outlined some of the, I guess, the do's and don'ts of... Um, <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, yeah, please. Because uh, th there's some general principles that uh, I've found incredibly helpful in my own ventures um, and I think may be helpful to, to people listening. So the first one is, um, you know, being a small business, often one of the big challenges is you might ha have a great um, product or idea or service, but nobody uh, or certainly not enough people know about it. So there are lots of great ways yep. you can uh, adopt to get your business noticed. Uh, so that's that's a really important right. one. I'll, I'll maybe talk about that a little bit later. Um, sure. And um, the other thing that uh, we do in our program and, and I think may be helpful uh, to explore is that I encourage people to kill their idea as early as possible. <laughs> so right. that might seem a bit harsh, but 
I found uh, so many people uh, believe in their idea almost to the extent where they risk their own viability or their financial situation, and they haven't really done the due diligence to assure themselves in a very objective way that they should continue on with um, the project. Okay, so what you're saying there is is kind of check the validity of your idea to an extent before you end up spending dollars and time and effort into it. I think there's there's such a trap um, to get so excited about your idea that you kind of um, don't see the the cliff coming. Um, So really putting a lot of front-end work. Ideas are very easy to jump from one to another if you find that you know it doesn't have has, mm. has, has some legs, yeah, um, and and I and I it's something that um, I've talked about um, a lot of times on this podcast is that research that you may have seen uh, last year or the year before I think from CB Insights in the US where they looked at businesses that hadn't worked out and some of these had a lot of funding as well and the reason they didn't work out is nobody wanted the product or service they were trying to sell mm. so you know that clearly points to a little bit of a gap uh, in the kind of the re- research phase. So, yeah, okay, sorry, carry on. That's okay. Um, I'm also a big believer uh, of doing something on your product or business every day to develop it. Mm. So I, I describe that as micro steps. Uh, I think sometimes in developing businesses uh, it's easy to think, oh, you've got to have some big wow moments, and, and they will come, but – the day-to-day progression of your business will will often be best done through micro steps. And what I mean by that is, you might find yourself on the train or in a you know waiting queue. They're, they're great opportunities for you to spend one minute, two minutes, sending an email, looking up a particular resource, making a phone call. And if if you do that every day, you'd be amazed how much you achieve over six months, twelve months. What I tend to find is people will often go. I'm developing this business idea. It's really fantastic. When you say, "What have you done?" Very little. Mm, that's so true. And look, and I think it, whether it's a, whether it's a business in startup or a business that's running, the notion of of sowing a seed or taking a step every day, I think, is a great discipline. Because also, of course, what it does is it makes you make certain that you've got a little kind of list of things that you can do every day. Which is because there are these spare periods that pop up, aren't they, and that we, we should be using them. Okay, great point. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you a tangible example. One of my products, it's called a doy. It's a, a dog um, treat toy for dogs that are home alone. And uh, right. I, I developed that whole business basically to and from work on the train. Mm. Um, Terrific. So rather than just listening to music or staring out the window, that's how I use my time over about yeah. an 80 months period. And were you doing, I guess, that was your little time on that business that you were doing whilst on your way to some other work? Yes, exactly. So I had a day job. Yeah. And uh, yep. to be honest with you, it, it kind of inspired me in those times when you sit in boring meetings or you know, <laughs> uh, yet, yet alone another strategy discussion. Um, yeah. That I felt like I had this own, my own sort of secret exciting project that, that was mine and you know, I didn't have to refer to anyone else. Um, and was sort yep. of uh, cooking away while I did other things. Yeah, that's a, look, that's a great point, and particularly for anyone listening who's possibly in employment and planning their escape. You know, that's that's a, that's a uh, possibly something that they're uh, thinking about doing, but uh, should definitely take a, take action and do a little something every day. Terrific. Yeah, 
And just before I go into the six steps, the last mm. thought I had was that um, I'm a big believer that, uh, and this goes back to the uh, getting your business notice, that every business, if you really pull it apart, has a human interest story uh, embedded in it about, you know, the why, what, why was this business created and what's it about? Because that, that story, that personal story will often help the business owner get noticed, get media coverage, um, maybe even get onto podcasts like this. Um, whereas mm. somebody just talking about the products or services, it's a bit dry. No one's really going to take, take much notice. That's another great point. That's looking at, and that's uh, I've not heard somebody phrase this in quite that way. The you know the the human story is getting clear on what that is because it's often the thing that uh, small businesses kind of bury that part, but it's the, it's the piece that comes out when you sit and talk to somebody over a, you know a, a number of of hours or time. Then they tell you why they actually did this, and it's like oh my gosh, you know that's the thing that gives you goosebumps. So yeah, bring that to the front. Great. Well, look, let's go, let's dive into your your uh, six steps as well. Then, sure. So the first step is around ideation, applying design thinking, and then prototyping your ideas. Mm. So. Uh, Ideation, you know, can happen in a formal sense. There are processes that you can use like design thinking to really extract that. Another way that um, has been described to, to get at the, what an idea is, because some people go, oh, look, I never have ideas. Um, I don't, wouldn't want, know what to do. Another way to phrase it is jobs to be done. So hmm. if people go, what are the jobs that I can see in my world, either that, that I'm struggling with or other people are struggling with, how could they be done better? Then often the ideas will start to flow and might lead you to something. Yeah, okay. And again, good even if you're in a business is when you're looking to expand your services or do more for your customers. That's a great little step to go through. Very yeah. good. Um, and prototyping, uh, whether it's a physical product that the business is working on, a service, an app, it doesn't really matter. There are really amazing techniques that you can use that, that actually cost nothing for a prototype. If not, if the listeners hear nothing of what I say except this, I'd be happy. And that is that it's so easy to spend a lot of money on building a website, building a product, a prototype, whatever it is, and basically wasting a lot of money because the, the ideation process is what I call do, learn, do. You do something, you have a look at it, you get other people to test it, then you improve it, and then you keep evolving it over time. Whereas some people can spend thousands on what in the in the first go, and actually waste it because a bit like what you said before. Mm. Um, sometimes businesses are created where where there are no customers who want it. Yeah, got you. Very good. Okay, very clear. Thank you so much. Um, so let's go on to your second point. Yeah. So the second point is market research. Um, when I talk about that, I'm not talking about formal market research companies, although they do that work. I'm talking about basically getting out, out and about, looking at competitors. If if your product or business uh, will end up in a retail setting, then actually visit the locations or stores or even online stores where similar products um, live and really do some research around some structure. So... Uh, pricing range, um, the look and the feel of the product, uh, how it's communicated, imagery, um, and and think about the 
the five senses, you know, what would it, what would, what are similar products look like in terms of the touch, the the visuals? Do they have a smell? Do they, um, you know, do they make a sound? Um, all, all these things mm. kind of help create, you know, people might have heard the, of this, the, the unique selling proposition. Yes, indeed. The uh, unique selling proposition is uh, is indeed a concept that we know. So now on to your third point where we're looking at uh, taking these kind of initial concepts and converting them into uh, some kind of 3D format. So we've got a number of options in this space these days, haven't we? There are free 3D programs that people can easily start to um, create a product um, or even... Um, yep apps that you can um, produce um, functional app designs um, all all at no cost. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, often then if it's a physical product, you could take your design and even have a a printing firm, you know, print off cheap version um, if you're going to then want to take it to a manufacturer, et cetera. So they're really cheap ways to do it. Sorry to cut you off. Are you finding, and I'm sure you are through your schools project, is uh, are people really embracing the whole kind of 3D design? Is that is that um, a, a major step forward for um, you know in, innovation in in product design? I'm guessing it is. Uh, I think it's mixed, Robert. Um, what I mean by that is, <clears throat> whilst I love technology, what I tend to find is that the the learning required to use the technology well will often mean that people either give up or they find it uh, too much of a barrier to navigate. So mm. um, that's why I really recommend people do low fidelity or um, very basic ways to create their own products or ideas. So um, girls that I work with, when they come up with, say, an app idea, I say, well, don't you realize that Google, when they come up with a new product, they don't even touch a computer for the for the first couple of stages. They actually uh, write it out and ideate all on pieces of paper and charts about how all the sequences mm. will work. Because let's face it, it's mm. a lot easier and cheaper to throw away a few pieces of paper than to spend all this money and time on computers. Oh. Yeah, so true. And how often do you see? I mean, less so, thankfully, as we as we kind of you know as every year goes by. But you see apps where you can just tell that that process has not been done. You know, it's got the kind of the uh, front of house shininess, but then some just some of the the basic kind of path that people take to go through the app or to make full use of it just big you know huge gaps and you think well how did that happen you know if you if you sat down with a few pads of post-it notes or you know some sheets Mm. of butcher's paper surely you could work that bit out so no okay great point so uh where are we up to point four i think that's that's concerning intellectual property um so many people may be aware that uh, there is a, a specialty of law called intellectual property law um, and there are, there are lawyers that um, specialise in that area. The, the sorts of things that people will have heard of is, you know, trademarks, patents, um, design protection, these sorts of things. So um, I've seen like service businesses, for example, who uh, have, a, have a great uh, business name. They might even have a domain name, but they've never thought about protecting their name and, and maybe some imagery through a trademark. 
Uh, and it's it's very easy to do that. Sure. Uh, and you can do it even online through IP Australia. Um, patents are a little bit more mm. involved, but that they concern protecting the kind of function and the the invent, they call it the inventive step. So what's kind of unique about what you've created compared to what else is around? Um, but once again, if you're serious about pro- pro- progressing a product, then it's something worthwhile to consider and there are lawyers to do that. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and we've got we're lucky in the in the uh, flying solo community. We've got some some IP specialists who've, who've uh, written a piece on or a few pieces on this. So I totally get that it's something we need to think about. It's 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 hard to kind of retrofit um, ID, you know, IP um, trademarks and so on. You know, often if you haven't done it at the beginning, it can get very messy. So well, yeah, um, very good point. And and lawyers will often tell you that. If you publicly disclose your idea uh, early, then it's often not possible to protect it later because one of the things about um, protecting intellectual property is that it hasn't been disclosed because if it's been disclosed, it's very hard for you to say, well, it's unique to you. Um, So, But there are ways before you get things like patents to make sure that if you're having discussions, which sometimes you need to have, you can protect your... Uh, confidentiality information through things like a non-disclosure agreement or a confidentiality yep. agreement. So you can have a discussion and have some confidence that um, should somebody go off and try and copy your idea or disclose it, that you've got a, an agreement. You've got yourself covered. Yeah. yeah, yeah, great point. Okay, lovely. Uh, point five, I think. Yeah, so that this is where we start to bring the whole um, threads together, um, and that's – uh, to do with business planning and deciding the the way you're going to get your product or service to market. But often we, we don't talk at all about the other um, fantastic opportunity of partnering and licensing your product to mm. larger, more established companies who are crying out for ideas to want to get to the marketplace. Yeah, and it's, I guess it's a thing that um – I mean, a, a fantastic uh, topic, but it's something that so many people just would not know where to start. And I know we're not going to be able to kind of dive into that, but maybe we'll get you back and talk about that. But the notion of partnering with somebody um, is certainly something to be thinking about, but it's a, it's definitely a topic on its own, do you think? Oh, definitely. And j- just to give a, a little bit of sense of what that looks like, going back to my uh, one of my products, the Doi, uh, dog toy, um, I licensed that to an Australian company who was already established in the pet industry. So they um, they house all the products. They've got warehousing. Um, they pay for the manufacturing. They pay for the legals. And I get a royalty um, as products are sold. So it means that I can go on and do some other interesting things like Girls Invent and talk, talk mm. to you today. Uh, yep. And so it's just a, another viable way to – build a business, um, but also free you up to do other things. Yeah, and I guess, you know, particularly for someone such as yourself, where I get a strong sense that you love being sort of on the tools, as it were, inventing, um, and you don't have to sit there worrying about packaging and dispatch and customer queries and all that all that stuff. So I can totally see the appeal. So I guess this is bringing us into your, um, your final point about pitching the idea to partners. Would that be right? Exactly. So whether you created your own business or whether you uh, wish to partner, as I said, with a license, 
it's really important to um, capture uh, your story and and what your unique selling proposition is um, mm. for various audiences. So practice things like if you bumped into your ideal um, customer or partner in the lift, you might only have 30 seconds to tell them about your business and product. So you need to be able to have that quick grab to be able to tell them that. There's, there's something that we do in our program um, to help capture this as well. It's called a sell sheet. So it's a one-page document mm-hmm. which outlines uh, the highlights of the benefits of the product or service, a photo, a quote, um, you know, unique selling proposition, various elements like that so that you've got quickly something to give to people um, when you pitch your idea. Yeah, that's a great point. Again, so it's like here, in a nutshell, this is this is the concept. This is the proposition, because it's it's so often, isn't it, that you meet somebody who's got a new business idea or a new product idea, and understandably, absolutely overflowing with passion and excitement, which is terrific. It's what we need, but it can sometimes cloud those conversations. It's just so excited just to be in a conversation that you actually, at the end of it, you think, oh, why didn't I say that? Why didn't I mention that? So it's a good discipline, I think, what you're suggesting, which is to kind of have a one-pager that this is what I'm, this is this is the concept, this is the idea. That's a great point. So, look, Mark, uh, those are really clear, and I and I, obviously any one of those we could, I'm, I'm sure, spend, uh, you know, many hours kind of diving deeper into this. If we want to find out more of your work and what you're doing, you've mentioned already the Girls Invent website. Where else can we be going to find out more about you? Uh, I've got a, another website um, uh, and another consultancy business called On Purpose. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's um, on-purpose.com.au. That generally talks about a lot of the projects and consultancy that I've done um, particularly around the idea of personal purpose. So it, it hangs off what I said before about people's personal story or human story. Um, if people want to really spend some time on understanding that, it can really anchor what they do. And, and to be honest, I think it creates a lot more satisfaction um, than rather than yeah. feeling like they're just in a business. It's actually, if it's a business that they love and are passionate about, then why not anchor that in, in who you are and what your story is? Yeah, fantastic. Now, look, my final question to you is, and I don't know whether you've got one top of mind, I didn't warn you in advance, but is there one thing that stands out, one invention from your school's program where you just think, oh, my gosh, that was so clever? Is there anything you can disclose, any little hint? (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, last year we worked with uh, a group of Year 7 girls, and uh, keep in mind they were 12-year-olds at the time, um, mm. And they came up with a, a fantastic new um, tennis scoring device. Uh, they've called it the Score Buddy. And, um, mm. you know, in their first year at high school, they were able to um, go through all the intellectual property processes. I was able to support them from that angle. And um, they're now in, in commercial discussions about licensing that product. What the product is is a uh, – uh, it's a scoring, electronic scoring device that you locate on the shaft of your racket so that in most sort of social or club games, uh, there's no disputes o- over the score. <laughs> um, That's a good, so does everybody yes, have it? 
Like, if they say it's doubles, does it, do all four people? Yeah, have it or it on could be racket? just one. But you know, I don't play okay. tennis myself. But see, this is the beauty: the girls started with their own personal pain point or, or job to be done, and the job yeah. to be done for them or the need was they're sick of playing, you know, tennis games and having disputes because people are so into the game they forget to do it, and then yeah. they end up in an argument. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, look, I've got to tell you that uh, less than a week ago, I was in, in one of those arguments. I mean, it wasn't a big argument, happily, but because um, I caved in. But uh, it was absolutely around that. It was like, is it 30-15 or 30-all? And um, so that what a great idea. Brilliant. And it, so that's in that's quite yes. advanced by the sound Yes, of definitely. It. And the fantastic thing with that example yeah. is that their parents have now formed as a support team, a bit like, you know, young sports stars. Um, the six parents have now formed into a, uh, a support group and, and they're supporting them on, you know, taking this uh, this product further. Um, yeah, they just they just want a piece of the action, those parents, don't they? They just want to make sure they get their, <laughs> their percentage. Well, fortunately, the girls' names are on the patent application, so. <laughs> oh, clever girls. They've been well yeah, advised. <laughs> All right, Mark, thank you so much for uh, spending your time with Flying Solo today. Thank you. Thank you. And before I go, don't forget that when it comes to creating a truly enjoyable and prosperous business, Flying Solo gets you premium membership, has all the tips and tools you need for just $99. Head to the join page to learn more. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au.